This evening I want to briefly comment on the major themes of Lent, or to put it in another way, I'd like to talk about what Lent is really all about. What Lent is really all about. Indeed, there are four things that I'd like us to notice. And the first is, is that Lent is about remembering that God is for us and not against us. That God is for us and not against us. Indeed, in the opening collect, and we've I don't think I had all the sound on as I was starting that, but I'll, I'll let you know what I said if you didn't hear it. <laughs> In that opening collect, we, we prayed, Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made, and you forgive all the sins of those who are penitent. You hate nothing that you have made. <laughs> And you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. And then in the absolution that will come later in the service tonight, the priest says, Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desires not the death of sinners, but rather that they may turn from their wickedness and live. Which is almost a verbatim quote from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 33. And verse 11, in fact, that's characteristic of our Reformed liturgy. Um, and in fact, um, w before I was, became an Anglican myself, I visited an Episcopal church, and one of the things that I noticed was that the liturgy was one, st one string of spiritual or sp scriptural pearls after another. <laughs> and so we pray... Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desires not the death of sinners, but rather that they may turn from their wickedness and live, which is somewhat reminiscent of what God says famously through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so that's the first thing. Lent is about remembering that God is for us, not against us. And this is true notwithstanding the general penitential nature of the season. The second thing is that Lent is about engaging a proper response to the true nature of our sin. Engaging a proper response to the true nature of our sin. Indeed, it's easy to make light of sin and especially our own. And one way to do that, of course, is to focus on the sins of, our, of others rather than our own. But Lent calls us to something more. Indeed, in the opening collect of tonight's liturgy, we prayed, Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that is, hearts of sorrow, that we worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness may obtain of you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. And notice that the forgiveness comes only after true contrition, true sorrow, true repentance. And a true acknowledgement that our sins are just as wretched as God says they are. Indeed, this is indispensable to a true confession. And the cleansing and forgiveness that comes from God as a result of such confession. 
Indeed, confession in the Greek is the word monologeo, which literally means to say the same thing. Logeo, to speak, mono, one, to say the same thing. That is, to say the same thing about my sin that God says about it. And God says it's so serious that I'm sending my son to die in your place. In fact, any, any, if, if, you, if you want to imagine that, that sin really doesn't matter, just look at the cross and the passion of the Christ and then say it doesn't matter. But it does. And so we have it in 1 John 1, beginning at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, monologeo, if we say the same thing about our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Greek word for forgive means to release and to cleanse us, to wash us from all unrighteousness. And so that's the second thing. Lent is about engaging a proper response to the true nature of our sin. The third thing is that Lent is about being truly aware of our natural limitations and the inescapable truth of our mortality about being truly aware of our natural limitations and the inescapable truth of our mortality. Indeed, in the prayer over the ashes in tonight's liturgy, the priest says, Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence that we may remember that it is only by your gracious gift that we are given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then the priest says during the imposition of ashes, as you well know, remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall, re shall return. Indeed, left to ourselves, death is all there is. And it's inescapable. But the truth is also that God has provided a solution to the inevitability of death and offers us more. In fact, that profound truth is found in that verse that most Sunday school children know. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, but have everlasting life. And so that's the third thing. Lent is about being truly aware of our natural limitations and the inescapable truth of our mortality. Then finally, Lent is about engaging the traditional Lenten practices that the church has been practicing for centuries, indeed for millennia for millennia. Indeed, several of these traditional practices are noted in the pastoral invitation to the observance of a holy Lent, which we will get to in a few moments. And these include self-examination. Not the examination of others. You do, that's your own autopilot. That's a default setting. But self-examination 
In fact, examining others may be uh, helpful, we might think, to the strategy of, of not having to deal with our own, but it's not very fruitful, spiritually speaking. But a person who is, engages in self-examination, generally speaking, is a person who is also growing and changing and being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Because to that person, such a thing matters. So self-examination and penitence, that, that is identifying my sin and turning from it, otherwise known as amendment of life. And then confession and, and receiving uh, forgiveness or absolution, um, sometimes referred to as shriving, the confessing of sin and then hearing the promise that such sin, however bad it might seem, God forgives it if we sincerely repent. In fact, the word shriving is where we get the word Shrove Tuesday, the day before, the day before the beginning of Lent, the day before Ash Wednesday. In uh, New Orleans, they call it Fat Tuesday, but uh, Shrove Tuesday is the day when you go and confess and you hear the priest remind you that, and God forgives those who are truly penitent. And then we have those things that are very much associated with what Jesus did in his way of life. And of course, Jesus figures large during the season of Lent. And in fact, Lent is, is organized around his 40 days in the Judean wilderness. In fact, that's how long Lent is, 40 days, because of that truth and that experience in his life. When he fasted and prayed and did spiritual battle with the devil before the start of his public ministry. And so in addition to self-examination and penitence and confession and receiving the promise of forgiveness, with Jesus we add the Lenten practices of prayer. Indeed, Jesus prayed. In fact, he seemingly prayed almost unceasingly in public and in private and encouraged his disciples to do the same. And he fasted. <laughs> in fact, when you read uh, in, the, in the, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, but he says, when you pray, pray this way. And um, he doesn't say, if you fast, he says, when you fast. And when you fast, do it this way. And he doesn't say, if you give, he says, when you give. And when you give, do it this way. And so he expected that we would pray, and he expected that we would fast. In fact, today is a traditional day of fasting, as is Good Friday. And so he expected that we would do that. In fact, um, we, we could, um, uh, have a sort of strange thoughts about fasting, as I have in the past. In fact, um, even as a priest, I found it such a burden that I just gave it up. And then it dawned on me, um, that's what Jesus did. And if I'm to be a disciple of his, then I must pray and fast and give. And so I do. And it's extraordinarily rewarding. There's something about not eating that makes all the more sense out of what Jesus said when he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Or even as I read today in John chapter 4, the disciples went into town to get some food, and they brought the food back, and they said, Rabbi, eat. And he said, I have food that you don't know about. And then they talked amongst themselves. Did somebody bring him something to eat? He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And that sense of satisfaction by doing the will of God and even going without food. In fact, physically speaking, when you go, out of, go without food, and maybe a day, maybe two or whatever, your, your brain and the synapses are popping. There's a sense of alertness, both intellectual and, and spiritual, that um, isn't um, experienced when you're eating so much. And so we pray and we fast and as we say almost every Ash Wednesday and this is not just something for you to do for the 40 days but practices perhaps to, to begin to develop a habit in those 40 days so that beyond the 40 days you can keep on living these kind of spiritual practices. And so prayer and fasting and scripture study and meditation on scripture, in fact, one of the key features of Jesus' ministry is his, the way in which he handles the scripture. You read the scriptures because in them you think you have life and they speak of me. I didn't come to, 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 to cancel the law but to fulfill it. And when he was in the desert, speaking of Lent, in those 40 days, and he had his battles with the devil, what did he do? How did he battle the devil? With what the Apostle Paul calls the sword of the Spirit. In each instance, he quoted Scripture to send the devil packing. Right? Man does not live by bread alone. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Thou shalt worship God and Him alone. And so Lent is about remembering that God is for us, not against us. It's about engaging in a proper response to the true nature of our sin. It's about being truly aware of our natural limitations and the inescapable truth of our mortality. It's about engaging the traditional Lenten practices that the church has been practicing for millennia. Will you do it? <laughs> In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.